Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The winner of Big Brother 2020. This is the hardest decision I've ever had to make. My heart belongs with someone else. You come to my beach, eh? Your game's done. Welcome to another episode of Reality Is. Now, here's your hosts, Liz and Shane. Welcome to Reality Is, the podcast that shares with you all the tips and tricks to land yourself a spot on a reality TV show. I'm Liz, winner of The Mall and winner of Livingstone. Hi, and I'm Shane, Big Brother 2020 contestant. Okay, Shane, straight off the bat, I was listening to another podcast this week called Beyond Reality. Really, really interesting for people who want to work behind the scenes in reality TV. Episode two is a chat with Alex Spurway, who was absolutely incredible. She was so generous in her knowledge about how shows such as Survivor, Married at First Sight, Big Brother work. But she made one comment during the chat, which I stalled on. It was that her puffer fish is when she hears producers being blamed for the way reality TV contestants act. How do you feel about that? So she blows up about the way they act. Haven't you heard about the term puffer fish? No, No, her puffer fish. So a puffer fish is what you say when something really gets under your skin and irks you. My puffer fish is if I see someone being a little bit cruel to animals or racism. Like if I hear someone say a racist comment, it makes me really puffer fish. Oh, okay. What makes you puffer fish? Oh, just um, bad driving. Okay, that's a great puffer fish. I can't help myself but abuse drivers. (laughs) So if you see me hanging out the window, you've done something wrong. (laughs) Okay, so her puffer fish is when you see reality TV contestants in the press following their time on Married at First Sight saying, I got the bad edit. I wasn't that person. I didn't do that. I was made to do that. As a producer, she truly believes that she goes into it with the respect she'd want in return. And if you say it and it ends up on TV, it's your fault. Thoughts? When you say it, you say it. They can't force words out of your mouth, regardless of how it's edited or what's being said. They And your facial expressions as well. They tell a massive story. So if you're saying the words and it's coming out of your mouth, regardless of the edit, you've still said it. So just remember that if you're going on a reality TV show. I did feel that I came out of both of my shows feeling like at some degree I was influenced by the producers. Did you feel like you got influenced in any way? I'll tell you my story after you tell me yours. 
All right, show me yours, I'll show you mine. All right. Mm, bit weird. I might tell you mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Prefer that, thanks. Um, so, yeah, my uh, experience, I guess to a point you do get sort of, I get pushed or led down the garden path of what a producer would want to say because you do get, I guess, filtered a little bit of information to make you think a certain way or act a certain way. And so you will go out and then probably go down the direction that they want to lead the conversation, I guess. So, yeah, in a way. So 2005, The Mole, I wouldn't really say that I was influenced by the producers to go in any direction, which is interesting because it was such a new format back then. But by 2016 on Livingstone, Botswana, this was my experience. Again, it all came out of my mouth and it was said and it was happening. But would I have said it if they hadn't solicited it in the diary entries? Probably not. So I really got on well with one of the producers, Liz Lott, and um, was close to her and felt like we had a really kind of like mutual respect for each other. I was feuding a little bit with one of the contestants, Haley. A lot of this feud only happened off camera. She was just a bitch to me. Like she'd kind of, you know, include everyone in conversations except me. And it was just that kind of girl relationship where we just must have challenged each other. So when I was in my diary cans with Lisa Lott, she would say things like, oh, you know, where's things at with Haley?" And she kind of made me feel like Haley must have been going to her diary entries and saying a lot about me. So when I watched the show back, I was prepared. I was like, okay, when Haley has her one-on-one diary entries, I'm going to cop it. She's going to be like, I don't like Liz. Liz annoys me, blah, blah, blah. I was waiting for it. So I got a shock when I watched back the show and when Haley had her one-on-one diary entries, she played the victim. She would say things like, I just don't understand why Liz doesn't like me very much. And, I, you know, I just feel like I'm in high school and I'm really against this. And I was gobsmacked because I'm not the bullying type at all. And I did feel like because Liz a lot had got me to open up in my interviews where I openly said, Haley and I just don't get on. We clash. I gave Liz a lot what she wanted that they hadn't really got on camera. But Haley didn't really give that and came off looking the victim. And I was like, I only said it because I felt the victim. So yeah, it can it can happen that they can drive things in a story where they want it to go. And I do think you need to be very careful when you think that that producer that is going to be the best friend for the rest of your life doesn't have ulterior motives. Definitely. Because you come your own narrative as well. It's your story, but it can be, I guess, subjective <laughs> to um, whatever's going on around. So just, yeah, if it's coming out of your mouth, just be careful what you're saying. Did that story make sense or did I just ramble way too much? No, that's all right. Did she you sounds like it? a bitch. She was? She oh, sounds. God, I better not say that or I'll sound the bitch. See? <laughs> You're producing me. Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm leading her, her, her down a path. See, you're, this is how it happens. And then you are on TV saying she was a bitch. Yeah, and everyone going, oh, you bitch. You just call Liz, her a bitch. Liz, Liz Cantor, bitch. <laughs> well, he's the tenor who made Ricky Martin tremble. Last night, Luke Kennedy sang his way into the star coach's heart and onto his team, conquering personal demons he thought he may never overcome. This man is one of the hardest working people in the world. But before all of his success as the voice runner-up in 2013 with Ricky Martin as his coach, Luke Kennedy was getting paid in year 11 to sing. Growing up all around different places as his dad worked in the RAF. He was first born in Ipswich, but settling in Townsville, Luke started to get his performance chops from starting a band, singing in the choir, and joining the local musical theatre company. He was always called on to do performances throughout Townsville. 
It was not long before people started to notice his exceptional voice. Whilst doing a theatre show, one of the 10 tenors saw his performance and asked Luke to join them. At first he thought it was a joke, so he didn't contact him at all, but then it turned out they were dead serious. Luke was fortunate enough to travel the world with this group. It was then one of his friends from the 10 tenors forwarded his audition to The Voice, and the rest is history. Introducing the man with the million dollar voice, Mr. Luke Kennedy. You were on season two, so it was still a yeah. new format. Was that yeah. exciting because you couldn't really reference too much of what had happened before yours? Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, I, I, th- I think the thing that I liked about The Voice initially was that it didn't seem, you know, like Idol and X Factor, there was times where people would perform and it wouldn't go as well as they want to. And and those judges would sort of tear the performer down. Whereas The Voice didn't seem to kind of invest in that. You know, they they were always, if somebody didn't do their best, then the coach would sort of turn around and go, well, that's that's on me and we got to work harder. And, you know, I, I like that positivity side of it. And, I, you know, I think there was a lot of artists like myself who, who decided, well, I'm going to give this a crack you know, largely because of that. I was just going to add, is it because of the visual aspects taken out? You think that has a lot to do with it? Like you said, X Factor and like uh, Australian Idol, automatically they've got a, a visual assumption of someone. With the voice, totally. you don't have that. So, you know, you could probably get away with, they don't have that sort of, I guess, connection straight away as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I definitely, I definitely think that's part of it, you know. And, and then there's a lot of people who, who are having a go at a show like The Voice purely because they're like, well, you know, of the way I look, like I, I never thought that I belonged on stage before because of how I looked, that, but I've always had this voice, you know. So you're getting a whole kind of new group of performers who are like, well, if for the first time ever I can get on stage and not be judged on how I look, then how great. I love that. I remember Osher Gunsberg said to me back in the Andrew G days when he was hosting yes. Australian Idol in response to my question, is this a stitch up? Why are so many people auditioning that can't sing and walking into mm. those rooms with such confidence? And he said, it's not a stitch up. They nope. have been told all their life by their parents or friends, God, you're fabulous. And they truly yep. believe it. But they, yep. what happens with the voice? Do they just eliminate these people? Because you don't really seem to see the bad singers come through. Yeah, totally. Well, the voice has kind of, I think, continued to exist and invest in pros, you know, whereas back in Idol days, they didn't do this as much on X Factor, I don't think. But I, I sort of didn't watch too many episodes of, of X Factor. I was definitely watched Idol. But I remember they, there was this real thing of like, they wanted people who weren't pros. They wanted people who were like novices who were, they, were, they were discovering for the first time. The voice is like, if you're a pro, come on down. If you, if you know how to do this and you're going to perform, you know, really, really well on our show, come on in. That's great. And, you know, they, they scout people that, you know, I was, I, I was scouted for the show. You know, they, they kind of reached out and went, we want this type of singer. You know, we want somebody who is a classical singer um, who can do the, the rock and pop stuff. And, and so that's kind of how I, I came on board onto the show. How did you find out about the casting and what were your thoughts? I actually put in a video submission in season one for the show. And I, like I ended up getting on the show in season two, but I put in a video submission very last minute. I was on tour with the 10 tenors at the time and I recorded a video of me singing something a cappella in my hotel room and sent it off. And I, it probably wasn't very good. So I, I definitely didn't get invited to audition. I'm the show in season one but then in, when season two came around one of the voice scouts reached out to the ten tenors and said look we're looking for this type of singer um who who should we talk to you know it was the manager of the ten tenors said luke's your guy he's the one and then you know he was really instrumental in sort of helping me 
make the right decision, I guess, and and talked a lot about, you know, if you go on this, what's this going to mean? You know, how do you want to present? All that sort of stuff, which I probably didn't need to go into detail on <laughs> at all. But I went in going, oh, well, I've, I've, I've an idea of, of what I want to get out of this. So I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and think strategically about what I want to do. What did you want to get out of it? What was that well, preparation? I wanted to win. Not competitive at all. No, but I, I remember too, like, you know, there was and people are happy to go on the show and get the exposure and sort of be on there for as long as they, they can and, and then just go, oh, that was that. And, and I think that's great. But I remember talking to a guy like that on my season who was just like, oh, you don't want to win these things. You know, there's stigma attached to the winner. You don't want to win. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, I definitely want to win. I was like, I want, I want the cash. I want the contract. I want the car. Give it all. <laughs> give it all to me. What is the casting process for The Voice? They have a number of rounds prior to sort of making it onto the show. So there's, a, there's an audition. Like you, you submit a video first. You know, there's thousands of video submissions that happen every year. From that, it gets culled down to about kind of 600 people um, who get invited to come in and meet the executive team uh, and sing in front of those guys. Normally on the day, there's a couple of rooms, you know, and you've kind of got to get through. It's like your audition and your callback on the same day. And then after that, it goes into music workshops uh, with the artists trying to work out what your blind audition song would be. And then there's a very final cull after that. And then, you know, whoever is going to be invited to be on the blinds is invited. Who does so those music workshops? Uh, it's our music team, you know, the voice music team. This music director, Scotty Applin, who's been there since day one, um, normally comes up with all the arrangements of the songs, the blind audition songs, you know, because you've got to cut everything down to 90 seconds. You always want to have a big moment in there for everybody. And yeah, so so it's it's those guys who who have worked there since day one who know how to make those those big moments for singers um that yeah they give them sort of sometimes three four five six songs that they'll run through on the day and then they'll change things around they'll go okay let's try it in a different key let's take that part of the song and put it there you know it's it, it is it's a it's a proper music workshop and it's one of the parts of the show i think they get re- really right is that they're four musicians. It's a music show and music is important. So they take their time with it. Yeah, Luke, I was just going to ask, do you have any sort of knowledge of the songs that you would be singing for your blind audition or do you totally. um, come come to them with music and go, I wouldn't mind singing these ones. These are in my sort of, I guess, my scale and I would kill yeah, so it. Pa- yeah, part of the submission process is that you come up with a list of songs of what you think best represents you um, and the sort of music that you want to make. And then there's there's a there's a, a music team who will go through all that repertoire with you, or they might go, okay, you've got some Aretha Franklin on here. Um, we've got another person who probably sing Aretha for the blind. So what about Whitney? You know, or, or whatever. They'll they'll kind of find stuff that's that's music adjacent to what you want to do. So yeah, it's definitely a back and forth with the artist to make sure that they're comfortable in stepping on stage because the last thing they want is somebody going on stage, not turning a chair and then going, oh, it was the song choice and I never wanted to sing that anyway. You I know, find it that's, fascinating that there's this whole yeah. process that viewers don't see. I also totally. think it's very encouraging for people wanting to audition to hear this because it's not 
necessarily known that you will be nurtured into this environment. Oh, totally. Yeah. They spend about three or four months working with the artists before inviting them to the blind audition, you know, and that's, I think that's why the show sees people come back. You know, they've had returnees on the show because they have a great time. You know, they discover stuff about themselves musically. They, you know, they, they end up enjoying the the experience that they have on the show. And so then they're like, okay, cool. How can I do that again? <laughs> that was great. If we step back once more, what are your tips for people wanting to submit that initial video? You said your first um, one was terrible. I'm not sure if I believe yeah, you could do anything look, terrible, Luke. My first one was terrible. I the second one I submitted, I I actually recorded myself properly. You know, I got a I got a friend who had a high definition camera to come and you know I filmed the audio really well as well. So I guess the quality of that first video submission was important to me. But it didn't have to like I didn't have to kind of go out of my way to record something. I could have just uploaded I could have uploaded a video of me performing with the ten tenors. You know, I could have uploaded a number of different things. It was just a high quality video of me singing. And that's kind of all they're looking for. They're like, you know, does this person and sing well enough to invite them into the room to hear what they do face to face, you know. So the the better quality you can make that audio, the vision is not so much, but the better quality you can make that audio, that's the thing that's going to help you. It's not always easy for people to get to the initial casting when you've got an everyday job or you're working. How Mm. many days did you have to set aside for this process and did you find it a bit of a juggle? You're also a father. Yeah. Well, it was a bit of a juggle. Um, but now like I was on season two, the show is about to go into season 10 and it, it's, it seems to be a lot better for artists these days. You know, they've, when I went on the show, um, there was very much, uh, there was, the, there was a period of time where you weren't allowed to kind of do other gigs and you really had to commit and be focused to the show. Whereas, um, the voice now, I think they're, they're a bit more kind of going, well, if people see you out there and you're doing your thing, that's good for the show and that's good for you. And this, it's this kind of mutually beneficial thing thing that they've they've come to realize um over the years and it's also if they want people to do the show they need to be flexible you know um, obviously it'll be interesting to see what happens in season 10 when borders are closed and people have to quarantine and all that sort of stuff because that's a total game changer but you know for where it's at now my understanding is that people are still able to have a normal life uh, even people interstate they'll fly them in for a couple of days fly them back out so that you know hopefully their time on set is minimal until the finals you know and that's the period where if you're at the pointy end to the end of the show you might have to give up three or four weeks to kind of see this see the thing through by that point you've probably got enough out of it anyway that you're you're willing to go the extra mile you know to finish it off selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Did you avoid anything for breakfast that day? Did you not have a cup of coffee? <laughs> I mean, how do you prepare when you know you're going to have this rush of nerves? You would have the experience yeah. from your yeah. past performances on stage with the 10 tenors. But for yeah. your everyday Joe Blow, who is giving this a crack, what do you yeah. recommend for combating nerves? Were you nervous? I was. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those, those blind auditions are kind of the great leveler because no matter what your experience is, as it, whether you're a novice, a professional, whatever, when you step onto the stage for that blind audition, you are absolutely going to be terrified because you've not ever performed for a coaching panel like that, you know, with the pressure of 90 seconds of music that you have to just kind of deliver, but also then that it's going to be billed out to, you know, maybe one or two million people like you, you can't prepare for that so you're always going to be nervous I was definitely nervous my my lobby call time from the hotel was like 4 45 in the morning which is not good for vocals you know but then we had to film a bunch of stuff on the day and <clears throat> all the packages with your friends and family we did all that but I remember it got to like 6 a.m and I hadn't really eaten anything and I started to feel a bit unwell because of all the adrenaline that was pumping around my body. And it was like the sun was just coming up, you know, and a producer pulled me aside. He was like, eat this banana right now and go and take five minutes outside by yourself. And I did. And he was like, trust me, I've seen this before. It's just all that excitement and that adrenaline is making you feel a bit unwell. So just eat this, calm down. I'll make you a cup of tea. You'll all be good. It's a long day. You need to pace yourself. And that kind of helped that there was people there who could talk you through who had you know, been around the TV game for a while or been uh, worked on the show for a while. So they could recognize that I was peaking way too early in the day, <laughs> you know, and I ended up, I was um, early on in the day, you know, in terms, you know, in the grand scheme of things, there were people that would perform at one or two in the morning sometimes on those blind auditions because they were just massive, massive days. But I, I sang at around sort of two or three in the afternoon. So by then, you know, it was, that's great. I was, I was ready to go. <laughs> you actually gave me goosebumps saying that, Luke, because it's incredible to hear that that was your story in the lead up to your blind audition, that you had yeah. that moment where you actually had to be told to sit down Eat a banana, have a cup of tea, catch your breath. Because you then went on, people would have just thought from seeing your audition, you just nailed it. You turned every chair. Yeah. But this is the thing that I, and the the thing that I've told people who are auditioning as well, you know, is I... Uh, ran that blind audition a thousand times in my head. Obviously, I rehearsed the song and all that stuff, but I had envisaged myself walking through the door, walking up, you know, actually the thing that I didn't envisage was stairs. Like, I, I, I don't know, somehow I walked through the door, I walked out, I saw the audience, I saw the back of the chairs and then I was on stage, but I, I forgot that I had to kind of walk upstairs. So 
as I got to the stairs, I just went, oh, shit, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip. <laughs> and then I sort of, phew, now I'm fine. I'm on stage. But I had I, I had rehearsed every single moment that I wanted to, to get out of that song because all you're thinking about is turning a chair. It's like nothing else matters at that point. You just want to turn a chair, be on the show. So I had just rehearsed everything that I possibly could and gone over it and over it and over it. That by the time that I got up to sing the song for the first time, I, it was like, oh, you've done this. You know, as soon as the music started, even though I was nervous, I was like, you're cool, you're home, you know, just do your thing. And then as soon as like um, Ricky Martin turned around in about six seconds, you know, like it was like straight away. And then I was like, okay, and now I'm free. And I, I actually, because I'd taken that level of, of preparation, I was able to play in the song, you know, I was, I was able to, I, I like pushed dynamics that I hadn't pushed before. And I was like, you know, this is fun. Now I'm just kind of doing my thing. Yeah, it was cool. Had you envisioned Ricky turning first? I would have envisioned no. probably Delta. <laughs> I, I I really didn't know. Like I, I guess I'd I'd envisaged the song, but the result I hadn't kind of focused on. You know, I was just like, this is ha- the the beats that I want to hit in the song, the moments that I want to take, and and hopefully if I do all that, they'll turn around. But when when he turned around, I was completely shocked. Absolutely shocked. I was just going to say those visualization techniques, um, you know, from surfing and sportsmen and yourselves, you usually see yeah. yourself there before you actually get to that moment. So you, you can see yourself either winning a surfing heat, Liz, you'd know that. And obviously yeah. with you, Luke, singing, you can just take yourself there and be in that moment as well because you've already seen it. Well, yeah. Well, interestingly, the sport thing, like I, um, I grew up as a golfer, you know, like I, I played a lot of golf um, as a youngster and, and, and started to get to the point of being like, I was an A-grade golfer. I, I wanted to, at one point in my teenage years, I wanted to be a pro. And and so that visualization thing is so, it's the number one most important thing. If you want to step onto the golf course, you have to know what each each shot, you know, and I would visualize the, the whole course. You know, I'd play the course in my mind five, six, seven times before I got out there on the day every single shot, you know, and sometimes I'd make a bad one because, you know, you don't want to kind of be unre- unrealistic. You've got to kind of put in, put in some that you've got to recover from because that prepares you for that too. So, but yeah, that visualization thing totally comes from sport for me. I was going to say, Shane, what went wrong for you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I fell asleep when I was visualizing. <laughs> Dad life. Yeah, Hello, Delky. Yeah, I got, I got sort of, yeah, I saw a butterfly and started running over there. <laughs> Doesn't so, surprise me. So. Shiny things, shiny yeah, things. Shiny things. Yeah. Luke, each week we also ask our interviewee, where were yeah. you when you got the phone call that you were getting a run on the show and who was the first person yeah. you told? I was uh, doing a show. It was a Christmas show. It was in December and it was at um, St. Joseph's College and it was like it was part of this kind of school curriculum. They'd asked us to create a Christmas show. So we wrote this Christmas show called How to Make Snow uh, and we were, I think, like our final day of rehearsal for that. And I got this missed call and I knew who it was from. And so I raced out into the car park and it was, it was myself and um, my partner, Naomi. And there's a, a beautiful uh, operatic soprano who was also in the show um, named Marusha. And she, she's Andre Rieu's soprano. You know, that's kind of her, that's, that was her big break was with him. And anyway, she was in the show. And so it was the three of us out in the car park and I got the call. And I was like, I'm in. And she was like, what are you in? You know, so then I had to explain, okay, you can't tell anybody. But, um, but uh, yeah, I distinctly remember getting that phone call and going holy shit I can't believe this is happening you know and the show was like as you say it was it was so new then that we were just kind of like okay now there's a thousand questions how does this work it's an unforgettable thing isn't it when you get that call going okay it's happening like all right well this could change a lot of things for me it's It's huge winning the lotto 
Oh my yes. gosh! I did a uh, sixty million. Luke also presents Lotto. Yeah, that's 60 right. Sixty million last week on Powerball. A twenty-year-old oh New South Wales woman won it. Wow! One one person sixty that million dollars in your twenties. Isn't that incredible? So I'm sure that, that phone incredible. call imprinted on her too. <laughs> wow, that is amazing, isn't it? Highlight of the experience, like for me. I'm just going to say my highlight of your experience was Joel Madden aeroplaning around on his chair. (laughs) That was good. That was good. I I think for me, probably performing with Ricky Martin, Mm. you know, that, that was pinch yourself stuff being in rehearsals with him. Cause I, like, I love performing. I, I, I absolutely love it, but I probably love rehearsal more. I don't know. There's something about the creativity in that moment and, and how relaxed it can be. And, you know, if you know what you're doing, sort of heading into the rehearsal, they're always fun. Yeah. Sorry. What, what uh, I keep in my hand, I have to ask questions, but um, I was going to ask <laughs> how much um, quality time do you get with the artist that's chosen you? Like with you and Ricky through yeah. the, the, the first time they turned his chair and the time that you get to to spend with him at rehearsals, is it like as much as you see on television? Is it like a lot of time? Yeah, it's it's probably more than you 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 know you kind of get the picture of on on TV. Um, you you definitely get a couple of rehearsals with them each week. Some of those are on camera, some of those are off camera. Uh, so and they're there to kind of nurture you. But it depends on the coach. Like Ricky, at once we got to the finals, he he invested more time because I think he had more time. You know, like there's a lot of artists early on, but when the it starts getting down to your top four on your team, then you can start to kind of invest a little bit more. So, um, you know, we had a few dinners and I know Naomi was on his team as well. You know, they went out together as a team as well. You know, they went to the movies. They, you know, they, he had dinner with his team as well. So, and then I got to know Ricky, you know, I ended up touring with him after the show and got to perform with him each night on his Australian tour, which was amazing, you know, and sharing the stage with him. And he gave me like three songs in his set, which is just so gracious you know and so he, he was like i was i was really kind of lucky but yeah they they artists i think do get a, a pretty decent amount of time with their coach if they continue on particularly and then you know there's art there's coaches like delta who just stays in touch with everyone you know she's really invests in the people that that she ends up mentoring and you know she's still in contact with me after seven years i wasn't even on a team in fact when those chairs turned around i probably didn't even really think of going with delta i was like i was either for me it was always going to be the ricky or seal if they both turned around that was going to be the the hard choice for me so oh poor old delta i mean i've told her that so i i can <laughs> i can tell you guys um but Great woman, that one. So she talented. is great. She is great. Yeah. Any other behind the scenes secrets for us, Luke? Oh, look, I don't know. Um, I, I guess I mean it's not. I don't know if it's a secret, but if if you do end up on the show, prepare yourself because the days are long. You know, and they when you're on set, they're going to try and get a lot out of you. So pace yourself. As, as that producer told me on that on that very first day, you know, learn to pace yourself. I think for me, one of the, one of my biggest takeaways from the show is to, and you guys probably found this as well. At some point in the show, you get just focused on getting to the end, or you or in the gameplay, or or whatever. And sometimes you might forget to enjoy what you're doing, you know? And and so that's kind of like my big tip for artists going on a show. For, and for me in particular, like I was just like, I just want to, I, like I said, I wanted to win. So I was like, I want to get to the end. I just wanted to get to the finale. And I put so much pressure on that that I, I think I probably forgot to enjoy myself at times. 
So if I did it again, then that would be definitely a, a big focus for me, yeah. And for Shane and I, that's exactly why we wanted to start this podcast because hindsight yeah. is such a powerful thing. And this is an totally. incredible life experience for so many people. So to be able to do it right yeah. and to have some insight before going in, well, hopefully we're helping you guys listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Final question. Would you do the show again? Absolutely. Yes. In a heartbeat. That yeah. seems to be the about, answer for most voice contestants. Which, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. How about you guys? Yeah, I'd do it. I'd do it today if they asked me. I've got three kids. Getting locked away for a couple of months sounds pretty bloody good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been on two reality shows, The Mole yes. and Living Stone. Yes. The yeah. Mole, oh, God, I would love to do it again older. And remember, The Mole was also one of the first ever reality TV shows. Yeah, that's in right. In Oh, in the world. There was no social media back then. So I would do it, but I don't know if I'd do it again now that there's social media. Mm. I think it would be a very different experience. Uh, The reason I did Livingstone was because I'd always dreamt about going to Africa and because it was Mm. only going to be shown in Europe. So I wouldn't have to deal with the social media back here in Australia. (laughs) But Livingstone was a difficult one. I said to the producers out there, because we were starved. We like I yeah. lost hair, I lost toenails. Oh the my malnutrition gosh. was insane. Wow. And I said to the producer day three, I was, why did I do this to myself? And yeah. she said, I'll tell you what everyone who does Survivor in Europe says. All the contestants say it is the hardest experience you will ever face in your lifetime. Mm. But the best when you get out. Yeah. And that's how I look yeah. back on it. I'm like, that was <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I would do it again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There you go. Luke, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. We're really really grateful to grab your time. Yeah, I'm so stoked. No no worries. Un giorno sai per noi verrà. If you enjoyed today's chat, hopefully it has given you some insight into the casting experience for The Voice. Please subscribe to our show, share it with all your friends and hit like on this podcast because then we'll be able to keep making them for you. Exactly right. We love doing this podcast. So if you have got heaps of money as well, please show it our way because we need it. <laughs> we to need pay to pay producer, producer Brad. <laughs> To keep him in the lifestyle that he's become accustomed to. He rocks up in Ferraris and stuff, so we need to keep him <laughs> driving that Ferrari. Don't we, Brad? Yeah, so basically we're looking for a show sponsor <laughs> or show sponsors. Also, flick us through your questions. If you want to know something about Shane's experience on Big Brother or my experience from the mole or Livingstone, which I've said I'm going to share some episodes yep. with on our Vimeo or our Facebook page, Reality Is Podcast. You can find it there. Also, we do want to hear your own audition experiences. Or casting tips. So if you want to be on this show, you can just drop us a DM on Instagram or Facebook and we'll get you on. Yeah, that'd be great. Love to hear from you guys because we love hearing some horror stories. Not always horror stories, but some good stories as well. So get you on and uh, we'll, yeah, we'll be able to answer all your questions. Did you have any embarrassing moments through your casting experience, Shane? Yes, I've had, had so many, so many embarrassing moments in my life, not just through casting. Tell um, me one. Casting in particular... Um, what was the one that we did? Okay, while you're thinking of it, I, will. I didn't have any embarrassing moments in my casting other than the fact that I arrived late and was the last person to walk into the room and they really made a point of that. I'm always late. But one of my most embarrassing experiences ever, it was the second last episode, the semi-final. We were on this incredible super yacht in Auckland Harbour, I believe. 
We're doing this challenge and I'm sitting on the boat and I'm like, what's this lump like in the bottom of my jeans? And I'm feeling my calf muscle in this lump. So I like put my hand up the bottom of my jeans and pull out my undies from the day before. (laughs) 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 And I was like, oh shit. So I just threw him off the boat. (laughs) 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 So I must have got slow home so exhausted the day before I've just done the like you know when you take your undies off with your jeans and you just throw them on the floor and then the next day like you put your new undies on and then you put your jeans on and your old undies are still in your jeans you know what I've just remembered after you telling that story not that about your undies um but this one's a bit different it was actually at your wedding when I was walking through reception and we're going down to the rock bar (laughs) me and Cara walked into the fucking fountain and I fell down and I come out I was walking talking we're just like cruising and next minute I was in waist deep water <laughs> so ayana resort Bali, when we got married they've got this beautiful reception but they've got a floor level pool fountain so if you're not looking where you're going you literally step into this I was fountain waist deep in about four seconds just like fine and everything in my pockets i went fuck oh god so yeah that was pretty embarrassing then i had to crawl out in the reception everyone's just looking at me just going like how can you see it was right in front of you and i was like man i wasn't even looking and i was talking to cara and we're both into it me and cara's my best yeah. friend and so Sorry about that bang you just heard. That was my headphones hitting the mic as my head dropped in shame at Shane's moment. That was pretty funny. That was a pretty embarrassing moment uh, in the reception because then we're just both standing there dripping wet. But we're laughing so hard at each other. So we sort of, you know, got through it like we meant it. (laughs) All right. Well, you have to save your casting embarrassing moment for another another episode. Because there was a few castings I had to go through. There was definitely embarrassing moments that I can remember. Because sometimes I take things too literal. And um, yeah, I, re- I just remember doing some stupid stuff because you have to do some activities. And I remember just them looking at me going, that's not what we're doing. And I'm like, oh yeah, no dramas, I'm blonde. You just banged my headphones on the mic. <laughs> we're going to wrap up this show, everybody. Right. Tune in to our next episode. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. 
Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.